0: Today we talk messaging, journeys and the delicate art of self-acceptance as we chat to David Layden from Animal Farm on Benny Asking People Questions. Now, I don't know much about today's guest. They kind of stumbled across my path. However, once curiosity got the better of me and I dug a little deeper, it became clear to me that they would have eventually come across my desk anyway. More importantly, why had they not before now? With an aesthetic akin to Benfold's on a horse, Animal Farm simply met me with a smile. They were here to have fun and to bring fun to me. A little more digging and I was instantly struck with the sincerity, a relaxed attitude that is rare in an industry notorious for screaming out for our children's attention. I still don't know much about them, but thankfully I'm joined today by David from Animal Farm Music, so we can all get just a little bit acquainted. Hi, David. Thanks for joining me all the way from Colorado.
1: Yeah, I live in Denver now. Um, we were in Chicago for many, many years, and, and I, my wife is, a, is pursuing a PhD here. So I grew up in Colorado, and we've we've returned to my home actually my parents basement is where <laughs> we live it's great <laughs> intergenerational household yes here in denver
0: brilliant brilliant i mean obviously academia is pretty big deal in your world i mean what, what is the arts for you what is music is it is it your chance to to turn your back on all that stuff yeah
1: yeah i actually don't feel like for me being an artist was an act of rebellion against my family um i grew up in a high school in like a, a my middle school and high school years in Colorado—it was within a, a, um, a public school system that was fixated on an achievement ideology, um, and so—and I went to a like a top tier university, and it was very much focused. A lot of people went into finance or engineering sure. and, and jobs that paid well yeah. and that they could give back to the university, and. Um, the story of me becoming an artist, uh, or I mean, I feel like we're all born artists, and it's as as an old mentor used to say, uh, we're all born artists, and school teaches it out of you. It's um, <laughs> yes,
0: very true, very true.
1: But I was an, I was an undergraduate student. I went to Kenya uh, as a part of a, a program. I, I studied abroad there, and I was really interested in community development and anthropology, which which was my undergraduate. And I and I met. So many people who were at the same time really distrustful of researchers and like development workers, and also like because I was a musician, because I played guitar, because I could sing songs and learn songs, um, like and you know, Bob stuff like Bob Marley and Peter Tosh, because reggae Mm. is this like global music, Mm. like just like this, reggae really connects people globally, yeah, sure. Um, but also, I was really moved by the it was the first time in my life as a musician I was called an artist. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't categorized in a commercial mindset. It was like msani, the word for artist, Msani in Swahili. Like the actors were, were wasani, the the musicians were wasani. Like we all were artists, and it, that's what kind of connected us. Yeah. Well, so yeah. Bit, so it. Yeah. It. Um. I think I was rebelling against this idea that there was a certain path. But as an educator, it was like natural fit, right? Being an artist and a teacher mm. is. Uh, those two practices inform each other at least for me Um, and I think as I watch your videos I can kind of see see that overlap because there is a depth I mean it's really I love the the, I lost someone I love today video I was just like oh that is like so beautiful Um,
0: yeah thank you I appreciate it Um. Well, let's go back to the beginning because, I mean, we're right back in – let me just have a quick look. Back in sort of 2014, we've got the sneak and Peaks, Sneaks and Peaks, which is just clearly – kind of feels just like, as, as the album suggests, is a bunch of demos and so on. But then in 2016, um, in two thousand sixteen, we actually have Run Free, which seems like it was uh, paid for by the Chicago Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, um, which seems to be a bit of a cornerstone for this album. Um are you are you a group that spawned from the funding i mean is this how you ultimately came about as a duo is this yeah is it was this the the starting moment for you both
1: so that was that was actually pretty late for us we we started about um so seth who's my writing partner and i about 10 years ago we started having conversations and then in the winter of 2010 2011 we started getting together and just writing music we were both teaching in Massachusetts he um I was living in Boston he was in Cambridge and we were kind of you know I was a I taught after school for five years in a public school system like k-12 one kindergarten first second he was teaching music and we were just so like sad about what what music people were listening, kids were listening to. We felt like um, there was, especially for that five, six, seven year old age group, um, that it was like kind of this cultural void. Like you were too old for Raffi, you were too old for the Wiggles, you're too old for like uh, Yo Gabba Gabba. Um, but like Katy Perry wasn't really developmentally appropriate. Like either like artistic, I mean, I that I like Katy Perry, like I uh, Firework makes me want to tackle the day but like but like you know there's like I think that there are you see the developmental challenges of this age group and really you can go down to like four year olds because pre-k I really feel like a lot of of kids are starting to they want to dig a little deeper um so yeah so we just like kind of started writing every day and we both he was a wedding bassist as well as a classical trained percussionist and other things and I was playing in rock bands um so it just kind of like was a natural fit. and within like two months, we had six or eight songs written.
0: I pass a local possums my family.
2: We're going on a stroll to our favorite retreat. My name is Jack. Hello. Being a possum is cool. Pop.
1: And then it was like we spent years refining it, refining it. And it was when we moved to Chicago. Uh, Seth moved in 2012. I moved in 2013 with my wife that we really, like, you know, we went from playing a few shows a year as Animal Farm to playing 30 shows a year, 40 shows a year, 50 shows a year. Um, And that kind of became – it was never, like, our full-time job, but it became something that was more self-sustaining.
0: Yeah, I I actually think that kind of is heard a little bit in the recording as well because I think the early, like, Sneaks and Peaks, um, obviously, and Run Free, I mean, they're all wonderful, and Flow Flow and the Hippos, Um. But I got the sense that it was more dabbling, if that makes sense, like kind of just enjoying the medium and finding out what's possible. So there were like the
1: Sneaks Peaks were recorded in Boston. And then in 2012, we actually started recording Run Free in 2012 in Boston. Um, and Seth moved to Chicago and I finished the album work. I finished tracking with with a friend in Boston. And then when we moved to Chicago, that's when we started gigging but those songs the bulk of those you know drums bass guitar vocals were done when we by the time i'd moved in 2013 and that album took you know a couple years to to mix and do some final tracking but like those were like when we started we were very much like in the folk bluegrass idiom a lot more and you can kind of hear that yeah absolutely um and then with 20 with um with We are one it was like we recorded guitar bass drums violin live in a studio over the course of a weekend yeah right with mike Hagler, um who's amazing um and that was like so i feel like it's a more cohesive i feel like a lot of now half of those songs we didn't play out a lot like it always could be worse which is one of my favorite songs on the album we like never play out because that arrangement is crazy and seth wrote Almost every note of that song, he was just like, here's what here's what the clarinet does and whatever. Um, but other songs like We Are One, Cranky Pants is one of the first songs we ever wrote. Um, some of those songs got cut from the first album because we weren't happy with the takes. Uh, Nocturnal Me. So, so it's been an interesting process. I definitely feel like um, I've cut my teeth as a live musician starting in college in the early 2000s uh, and mid-2000s. That's like what I did. And then when I was in Boston, I put out a few albums. I, I write a lot of music, so I have grown up albums as well. And I play. I'm actually, we're both bassists, but Seth's a better bassist, and I'm a better guitarist. So I've actually played bass on like a, close to a dozen albums of other artists as well. So, um, so the studio stuff kind of was like, I think with with We Are One, it, it for me it feels more like us because it's the same four people who have been gigging together. Um, and so it really comes out like it's a cohesive unit More so than Yeah, totally uh,
0: Absolutely Because I think Because that's the other thing I was going to ask Is that there just seems to be this collection of musicians That are quite present when you get to um, When you get to We Are One Whereas it feels like that they start to appear in the videos And there's this consistency that runs through you as a group
2: It's a gradual process Just to move a few feet And I'm taking my time now, cause the roses are all so sweet, I got my shell on my back, only home that I know, no I'm not in a hurry, no particular place to go.
0: Because I guess the thing is, like, when I was listening to The Sneaks and Peaks, which obviously majority of that ends up on Run Free, and then I was listening, I got to When Pigs Fly, which just kind of came out of left field, and then I got to Flow, Flow and the Hippos, which again is this audio story, but then you draw upon the song that's in Animal Farm about hippos. And and there was this moment where I was trying to, because I I tried to sort of... um, Plot the growth of what you, the two of you, were writing and what you're creating. And I really just hit this moment when I got to Flow, Flow, and the hippos, where I just went, Look, I don't know, I've got to stop trying to work out what's going on here and actually just appreciate it from a child's perspective and just go, It doesn't matter from song to song, it could be completely different. Um, which I think you really solidify in We Are One. We, be- we, be- we become. It's it becomes song for song, whereas I think there is that bluegrass kind of pattern that runs through everything else. But We Are One really feels like you, you're just so much more comfortable in what you're willing to present or what you're willing to try, what you're willing to do. I mean, because it, also in that year, I mean, it's taken you – you know, four or five years to get to there. But then that one year you've got the Hanukkah album also. Like there's almost this explosion (laughs) of stuff in this one year, which for me says that maybe you found yourself a bit and you went, okay, I think we're identifiable now. Did it feel like that at all? Or, I mean, do you feel like you've kind of arrived a bit?
1: I mean, so I this kind of, not to be contrarian, but like for me as an artist, like I don't feel like I'll ever arrive. Like I feel like part of being an artist is like, embracing change yeah. and being dynamic Yep. but yeah i think that year was super was was really prolific for us um the hanukkah album is a whole nother trip because thor and sly who are like our core drummer violin player who are who are married um and are really just amazing musicians and and um to their credit they weren't available that weekend we like um got i got a free weekend at a retreat center because i had volunteered there over the summer uh, to play children's music. And so I said, sweet. So I packed up a friend who's like a DIY producer in Chicago who has recorded hundreds of basement shows yeah. throughout the city. He's he's like an unofficial archivist. And he's recorded <laughs> one of my grown-up albums. He, um, he came out to produce. And then we were just like, we sent out like a massive email to like a dozen people and said, who can come? Who wants to play on this Hanukkah album? None of our songs are religious. I'm Jewish, but my band, yeah. you know, I'm not religious. My bandmates yeah. aren't aren't so we we had a dude who's like we had lapsed lapsed jews lapsed muslims lapsed catholics <laughs> lapsed unitarians like all of us coming together to like make a party album yeah um and it it's actually for, it's super depressing like our most Popular tracks on Spotify are the Hanukkah songs, which I didn't write.
0: Which is always um, the line, though, is it?
1: But yeah, we get gigs through that, and uh, and I've also much of my life have been playing Jewish music in the community, uh, both for fun and for work. So yeah, it's, sure. it was a natural fit.
2: Een lustige, vreemdelige toren, nog een zee meer. Alleen dat we dreigelijk spielen meer. er lang
1: But yeah, I mean, it's just that was like a really incredible year. And then we, my wife and I, were planning to stay in Chicago, and she got into a program out Mm. here, and it just it worked. And so it was kind of like, um, we haven't put anything out since the Hanukkah album. So now we're working on our third album, and it's becoming like, um, now that we're not gigging, it's like, do we even work on an album? Do we just put out songs? Yeah, like it feels like they're so. there's so much uncertainty about what's going to come
0: yeah. next. Yeah, well, um, I guess that's probably even more reason to just be online then, isn't it, really? I mean, I guess to keep it up. Because, because this is the thing about those two albums, We Are One and Hunica, and the Hanukkah album, is it, it felt like you, um, I mean, it really felt like you and Seth had found yourself. It, yep. it felt like you just going, actually, you know what, this is what Animal Farm Band is. This is who we are. And and, and it's weird that you've got these three albums leading up to it or, f- you know, singles and things and they're all very, you know, I, as I said, I kind of stopped trying to guess what you are going to do next. But weirdly, We Are One and Hanukkah, the the attitude behind those two albums is similar. It's really strange. Musically the others sound similar but these two feel it's from the same people.
1: And that's so funny, too, because, like, thinking about Run Free, Run Free was recorded on so many different instruments by mm. in different rooms on different days. Like, I think I might have played, like, a half dozen guitars on that album. And, um, like I said, like, We Are One. That was run, run Free, rather. And We Are One was recorded mostly in a weekend with the same guitar out of the same amp. Yeah. And then my acoustic guitar, like... It was very. Yeah. I feel like while stylistically there's a, quite a number of different influences. Sonically, we we were trying to get something that felt more cohesive.
0: You are very present in that album, and I think that's the difference. Oh, I mean, yeah. you can hear that the two of you are very connected. I think in that album musically, and even though musically it's all very different, uh, and and it is quite. I think it's much more experimental than anything that's come before. It's um... experimental kids music. We call it, well, we call our music grown up music for kids. Yeah, totally. and I
1: feel like if you look at. The they might be giants who I I, like their stuff is all over the place. And as an adult, like as a person who writes for grownups, they're an inspiration for me. Um, It's been really fun because Seth is constantly like holding me back from being like, well, what if we like did some diminished chords here and then like a sharp 13. And Seth's like, no, this is for like six year olds. But I, I actually think that like they can comprehend that. And at the same time, there's times where he'll be like, uh, he'll write something and I'll be like, Oh, that's good. But it's kind of like really similar to this other thing. And then can we just like throw a, you know, yeah, yeah. a secondary dominant here and, and it, and it works. And so yeah. what's interesting about our relationship with, you talk about us finding ourselves is we became a lot more comfortable with like the discomfort of the tension of collaborative writing. Um, he and I are, Seth is one of the closest people in the world to me. Um, I officiated his wedding. He gave a toast at my wedding. Um, so like, it, it, it's like we're like brothers in a lot of ways mm. and so writing can be um really frustrating for both of us and at the same time and especially <laughs> as like I've taken on more of the brand like Seth ha- is in, he's in a PhD program yeah he just had his first kid um and and naturally I think I've just kind of taken over the brand as you may know like being a children's musician half the gigs are solo gigs like it doesn't yeah community arts budgets are small yeah yeah um and so it's kind of been i've taken more of a driving uh driver's seat and he you know he flew out to denver in december and we recorded demos for the new album but i'm kind of like leading the charge you hear mostly my voice on it and i just sent him the first track of the album to for him to now add his parts on
2: well i've never been to hawaii I never surfed in California, yay. Well, I heard great things about Morocco. I've always wanted to see Montego Bay. I'd like to winter up north with the snowbirds. Playing bingo in Boca Raton.
0: But I guess that's also the thing about kids' music, isn't it, is you can sort of... Parker, it, but it's not necessarily going to in and it. it's not going to go in and out of favour if it's because it is, because the thing about kids musicians is it's also very personal to people, it's strange it's a very personal contribution that you as a human want to make for the children's space and because of that I think it just brings out really personal music and it's music that doesn't necessarily go out of style or out of fashion because your audience doesn't. Your audience doesn't even think about what fashion means, and you you know what I mean. You can take your time. There's no rush. There's no I don't know. It's 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 a thing. You know. I, I mean, uh, the obvious thing for that that th- you're saying that you know moving it forward. I mean, I, I it's I see this thing that took about three four years for you to arrive to what, what is a really, really incredibly strong, considered album. Thank you. That is the two of you working towards a certain thing, whereas everything else before that was a bit like the two of you working towards being in a kid's band. Whereas now it's like yeah. we're making music now and the market is children, you know. Rock and roll. Let's talk about We Are One a little bit more closely. There's this the opening song, Snowbird. Um, it's it's just really beautiful, but there's a but that the ending, there's a line at the end where it says, You are made for the cold. You'll understand when you're old. And for me, that line kind of sums up that whole album because it is an album about acceptance, really, at the heart of it, isn't it? It's, 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 it's about getting us ready for the idea of acceptance. I mean, um, you know, Cranky Pants as well, Two-Headed Tortoise. It, it could be worse. I mean, it, it's it's an album that's celebrating this idea of, I don't think, difference necessarily. It cele- It just celebrates the stuff that makes us things, person. And that idea of, you know, you, you're made for the cold, you don't understand that, but you, you'll understand when you're older, sets the tone for this whole album. Um, and I just wanted to, also being a teacher, you sort of always... Yeah, you always do want to drop things in there Is that the idea of this album? Is the album just this idea of going Hey man Stuff, stuff Everyone does things And it's no big deal And this is what There's also that really awesome line I'm I'm almost an animal But without a tail
1: I'm all animal but for the tail Yeah,
0: I'm all animal but for the tail You know, again It just goes back to this idea This constant idea of You are what you are It's, it's no big deal
1: Yeah yeah, I mean, it's. I think that um, thinking about my own experience as a child, like I rejected didactics. So when a teacher told me this is what you need to do because, X mm. Y Z, I kind of felt like that was an in- infringement on 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 uh, my <laughs> intelligence or whatever, and and so we really try to employ more of a narrative form because I think that narrative is really, um, mm-hmm. you know. Or, and, and phrasing in questions, right? So Cranky Pants is all about questions. So, yeah, I think that, I mean, I always frame it as like, or, you know, in the marketing spiel, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, so community, self-expression, social-emotional learning, the environment are our themes. But, yeah, I I think that I love the way how succinctly you kind of described that first song. Like, life is full of ups and downs and, like, yeah. get used to it. Yeah.
2: You'll <laughs> understand I, th-
1: what's funny about that song is like our the artist who's done a lot of our artwork, Matt Durso, who's a high school friend of mine. Um, he was at our house for like my wife's birthday party, and and my wife's favorite song of ours is is Snowbird. It like makes her cry every time, and he w- we were playing it at the house, and he was like, "Dude, that song is so dark. <laughs> like,
2: what really? are
1: you telling kids? Like, you don't get to go places. <laughs> tough." But now, like, which at the time I was like, oh, no. Do it's, I, like, life lessons, the
0: it's life lessons, mate. life lessons. can't but have everything. thinking
1: about, like, what we're living through now and, like, living yeah. in a space where, like, you can't go outside and see your friends. I'm sorry. Like, mm. you cannot go to to the movie theater. Mm. You, I mean, you could, but you'd be selfish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, um, that, that, like, we are coming face to face with, like, our limitations. Yeah. And, and the things that we took for granted, and so that song for me feels like so relevant now. And now when I play it, like it, it's become, um it kind of, it feels like it cap, like you kind of said, it kind of captures the essence yeah. of what we're talking about in a way that we are one. At the end of the song, is really about like we are, like we l- share this planet. Like however you feel, however, like we share this planet, and like we need to figure out a way to get along yeah so.
0: and i also think i mean you know it, it, it feels dark on the outside absolutely but i th- i think it's not on meant. the yeah no no but but i mean i i i guess what i'm saying is you i can understand why someone might immediately launch to that but then really at the at the heart of that song is just this idea of um just it doesn't matter you know like you just you, you know don't don't get caught up in what everyone else is going to tell you is better for you. You yep. know, that's what it's 100%. about. And and that's what that line at the end is, you you know, you were made for the cold, you'll understand when you're old. It's like, I know it's hard to understand that you can't have all of these things, but you'll get older and you'll just know it just doesn't, it just doesn't matter, that stuff just doesn't matter. And it's kind of through the whole out. I mean, it was from reframing it in that perspective I then really saw the album very differently.
2: Oh, those with whom I mingle Tell me I'm the singularly chillest cat they know. But you're a goat. It's a figure of speech. Cool, calm, and collected, I am respected for just going with the flow. But that was not always so. When I, I was just a kid, you know what I did? I it heads with the world.
0: Holding on to things... Which sort of does bring another weird question. I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit. But okay. on your Facebook page, there's this, you know, theres I can see this really strong expression towards social justice. And, um, you know, the, the, the celebration and the nods to equality and things like that. And you, you through that voice, you're, you can be quite upfront about the things that you support and believe in and the things that, you, that are important to you. When you're looking at something like Animal Farm and you're kind of stuck with animals in the context of what animals do, do you – are there things you want to say that you don't know if you can say them or –
1: So when you said social media, were you like talking about my personal social media or the band social No, media? the
0: bands. Because <laughs> yeah. my personal yeah. social media – And right. then you're rubbish. So we've always struggled.
1: <laughs> we picked a really bad band name. Like Animal Farm is not a great band name because obviously half the people are like – so it's is like George Orwell, yeah, and then tot- the other half of people are totally. like, "What kind of animals do you bring to the concerts?" <laughs> I've literally had people go to the website, contact me through the website, and say, do "What type betting, of animals do you a bring?"
0: Zoo. Brilliant. I'm or like, maybe like maybe people expect to turn up and like all your, your instruments are animals, which is um,
1: yeah, you know, playing the wretched.
2: Terrible
0: thought. Would be
1: some weird John Cage style stuff. No. So we uh, the new album actually kind of goes beyond animals. We talk a lot about uh, we're we're talking about putting out an EP called the Floral Arrangements. Yeah, and it's because um, we have a lot of songs about plants that I've been writing, and yeah. and um, and I've also been writing songs more about people. Mm-hmm. So I have a song. I was gonna today was the first day of school for a lot of folks in the states, yeah. and I I was gonna record, trying gonna try to get like a video out. Uh, I have a new song called First Day of School. That's actually, I wrote a year ago. That's like a folk song. Um, And I have a song called This Is My Body, which is kind of centers around affirmations about your body. Yep. Um, And also like kind of creating, giving the language for consent at such Mm. a young age.
0: Yeah.
1: You can't do it in didactics, right? You can't be like top down. You just give young people the vocabulary, right? Yeah, so you create by have it like the chorus is like, this is my
2: body and it's all mine. This is my body and I'll decide which way to move and how to be. This
1: is my body. It belongs to me. And like, I don't need to tell you use, I don't have to use the word consent. Like I'm, I'm giving yeah, the vocabulary. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm affirming. So, you know, I think there's a challenge, you know, I, I feel like, especially with the band name Animal Farm, there's a challenge to like not be overtly political. But you know, my master's is in an educational research program. Uh, it's called Social and Cultural Foundations in Education. I could have picked a better degree name, <laughs> but um,
0: what is it with you and really like obscure names? I know, right? And, uh... But
1: it, but there's there's um. I think he's Canadian. There's a Canadian educational philosopher, uh, Henry Giroux, who talks about hidden curriculum. And this idea really affirmed in me that, like, it's okay to have difficult conversations with young people because the choice not to have those conversations is a political act. The choice not to teach kids about the history of slavery in America is a political act. And so choosing to ignore the the real – I mean – I think this is a crazy statistic. The American Psychological Association a few years ago released a paper that stated that they believe uh, up to half of uh, pediatric ADHD diagnoses are misdiagnosed childhood trauma, right? And so, so if we're talking about creating spaces that are inclusive and creating spaces that are in in which people feel welcome then part of that is like acknowledging our power our privilege our positionality and and mm-hmm. writing songs you know i'm not i'm not coming in and telling kids you know i'm not I, our songs i mean you can tell like it's, we're not trying to like uh shout our values from the rooftops but we're also recognizing that like we have a platform to yeah. be be thoughtful and meaningful and as somebody who's grown up in a feminist household mm. um, who I'm having my first child in five weeks and they will be uh, a biracial American kid yeah uh, my wife immigrated here as a child from Liberia like I, I feel like it would be a real problem not to speak around mm. the importance of equality and justice in our spaces because like it's around us every day it and is so... and, and it
0: hasn't been addressed for every day <laughs> I mean, I think that's the other thing. I mean, there's this, there's this, um, particularly in Australia, there's this sort of mild little um, uh, movement, which I'm, I'm glad isn't growing a lot of steam, but it has steam, which is disappointing. But this whole idea of, like, you know, the left are taking over the schools and, you know, so on and so forth. And, and I think you said it before when you go, you know, it, it, not doing it is an act of... Um, is a political act by not actually supporting something and not actually mentioning, you know, teaching the history of slavery and stuff like that. And I and I kind of also think like, you know, we also put it in the terms of of political. Like we we, we say things like, oh, well, we're being very political by doing that and you're kind of going, well, you're not. You're just actually telling the truth. And this isn't an act of the left. This is just finally coming in and going, well, well in Australia's terms for the last... 230 years you've just simply not been telling the truth
2: and we're yeah. just telling
0: that we're just telling the truth and and you're un, you're feeling uncomfortable around that and so you're making it a political statement whereas it's not political if i tell you my car's orange because it is
1: right <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and I think that it's. In, I mean, it's even yeah. It's, so it's really interesting, especially moving from Chicago, where you know we're a white band in a city that's a majority minority city. Um, we're, we we're we recognize we recognize our place in terms of mm. like the space that we take up, and we try to both. You know, we we play in Chicago, and we. Lo- I was back there four times since I moved to Denver. Yeah, I've been right. out to Chicago for gigs. Um, but part of the having the conversation is having the conversations with like affluent white suburban families, right? Yeah and, yeah. and and it doesn't have to be, again, um like I think about right now, we're having the and you may also be having this conversation about eliminating songs from the children's music repertoire that are rooted in racism and misogyny. Right? And so Five Little Monkeys is a great example of a song that we don't we don't perform anymore. And and I got called out recently by a parent saying don't you know the history of this song and i said i, do, I don't sorry and yeah. i like looked it up and in the children's music network which i'm a member like we're having this reckoning with
0: yeah what right. we've
1: always done and and again I, I don't it doesn't have to simply be like singing a song about like we have mm. a great one of my favorite new songs is about drought which feels particularly poignant for folks mm. in Australia <laughs> and folks in Colorado and folks yeah. in California yeah. cuz we're our world is burning like my yeah, state yeah. right now it's like fire fire snow it snowed today it was 100 degrees this week and it snowed today wow. um, but we've for example like even with old songs that are recorded when i play them live i try to use Non-gendered pronouns. Yeah. Now I'm not I'm not going out of my way to say, hey boys and girls. Yeah. Or, or I don't I don't say hey boys and girls, I say hey yeah, friends yeah, now yeah, or like yeah. what's the good word, songbird, or whatever. Um but I, you know when I talk about the mouse in cranky pants, you know, mm. did he just bite bite take a bite of your toe? I just say they just took a bite of your toe, right? Like it doesn't it can be subtle and it's just being conscientious. I mean we're mm. conscientious about so mm. much that we do as kids artists. Yeah. I shave I shave like before every performance, like, right? Like, like, because it takes five years off, right? So, if I can spend the extra 30, 20 minutes to like shower and shave before a performance, like,
0: maybe I can just like
1: don't say, hey, boys and girls, right? Like, you find there's so much. The English language is, is is a giant Creole melting pot of all these other romance languages and all the influences. There's other ways to address people. And a mouse. Think about social learning, right? Like when I, I don't know how, I'm 36. So when I was growing up, like G.I. Joe's was on TV. Um, yeah. When I watched sports, there were military tributes. Uh, like I, the the, the U S military spends hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to partner with the NFL. Right. Like it's all around us. Right. And so I don't feel like I have to necessarily get on a soapbox when I'm performing. I don't actually, I don't want to get on a soapbox when yeah. I'm performing for kids because I don't want to, I'm not trying to call people out. I want to call people in. Yeah. And I want to be able to bring people in, but I think that you just provide alternative. Im- I mean, even as like thinking about the maleness the images of maleness that I grew up with, were so limited and toxic, mm. and me like I I'm a nail biter like I bite my nails. So at the beginning of quarantine, I started painting my nails, and you can see my nails yep. are painted. Yep. And <laughs> I just like stuck with it. I mean, granted, I'll still I'll bite my nails if I don't do it. But I I stream seven times a week for kids now all over the country and some kids in other countries, and I don't I don't even talk about it. I'm mm-hmm. not like oh I bite my I bite my nails and this is why I do my nail polish. It's like who cares. Mm. Uh, like I, I was, I inter, I internalized so much homophobia and misogyny as a, as a young person in America in the '90s, that, that I, and, and it, from like the media I consumed, from the things that people said, from the radio, whatever shock jock radio, that I, I feel like just being like a true version of myself, expressive, mm. loving, compassionate, like creates space for like other expressions of maleness, and it doesn't mm. have to be. A sports hero it doesn't have to be a, like a, a cop or a military yeah. hero it can yeah. just be like a dude in a purple sweatshirt with his nails painted who's like you know and I don't have to qualify I don't feel like I and mean, I've gotten to the point I don't have to qualify and be like well I have a wife like I just yeah. I just am I'm just Dave yeah, yeah, and so yeah. for me the the new songs do we have a song called note uh, it's called trees company I'm becoming a dad I love puns <laughs> uh, that's why I'm becoming a dad, so I can use the jokes. Uh, we have a song called Trees Company, we have a, which is about epiphytes and plants that grow on trees. We have a song called Honey Fungus, about the largest organism on Earth, which is a fung- fungus. Like, it doesn't... There is fun stuff. And then there's Let It Rain, which is about a baby sapling living in a drought. Mm. And there's a song called This Is My Body, First Day of School, Um but other stuff is super silly. We have a song called Bees Knees, which is in five because we like writing in odd time signatures for kids. Sure.
0: Uh,
1: it's about how bees mm-hmm. use movement to communicate, right? It's yeah. like, it's super. So for me, it's not so much about, like, I, I have. I have been an activist in so many parts of my life. I don't feel like I have to, like, I don't need a megaphone right now. Like, I have a platform mm-hmm. to just be a kind and compassionate person. And, like, I think that's something we need more, compassion more than anything right now is like we're so fixated on empathy and trying to understand how other people feel well i don't need you to understand how i feel i want you to just value my
2: life regardless One, two, three, woke up today with a scratchy sore throat how could i be so unlucky then a giant giraffe he poked through my window started and he frowned and then he a little scratchy,
1: but imagine this just for a sec.
2: A throat that's six feet long and every inch is sore as heck. You know it always could be worse.
0: The grass is always greener
2: in the other fella's yard. That's right, it always could be worse. Try an attitude of gratitude, it's really
0: not that hard. Uh, I guess that kind of goes back to the idea of, you know, right back to the idea of Snowbird, with this idea of just acceptance. You know, it is just this, um... Like, you know, you're saying you don't feel like you want or need a soapbox or you don't want to be on a soapbox. Um, however, just creating content that is considered to everyone around you, you know, is is activism. I mean, you know what I mean? It's either active. you're either an activist or a pacifist. You know what I mean? And, and just simply by going, no, I acknowledge there's this stuff around and I'm just not going to add. I just don't want to add to that stuff. I just want to... You know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Like, well, yeah. Like, and you're saying you don't like, have you don't have a soapbox, but you are intentionally considering the things that you do say. Absolutely. Yeah. Because if you know me, you get on my Facebook
1: profile, my <laughs> personal one, and you can you can see you can see me on a soapbox. But that part of that comes up with like my parents. Like, I grew up with parents yeah. who were in public service, and like my mom ran a public health program in the state, and so I grew up with this idea that like like people's lives are valuable, (laughs) which is so novel nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, you know, it's, I, again, I, you know, as a teacher and moving into a digital platform for teaching, it's kind of scratched my performance itch a little bit more because I, I, you know, haven't had a chance to um, play live shows. Um, or I have not, I've chosen not to, I've been offered outdoor concerts and I, while living with a pregnant wife and, Except totally. parents, I'm trying to be considerate. Um, but again, it comes into how we how do we create inclusive learning cl- classrooms, learning spaces, right? So being just being mindful. So yeah, yeah. this is um, it's you know it, I think right now with there's so much noise,
0: mm.
1: there's so much anger, mm. and for good reason. I think yeah. people, people yeah. have justifiable anger. That I, if I can create, I think that expressions of joy can also be yeah. Uh, resistant or expressions yeah. of joy can be, yep. be be doing the work, if you will.
0: Let's just go to. I've just I'll just keep you for a couple more minutes, and I'll let you get on with um, t- the rest of your life and and Dinner. prepping and prepping. <laughs> well,
1: I, I no, honestly, I am so excited that you reached out because now finding your music, like I've seen you like post, but like I. Love your stuff, and I think that you like just watch spending some time today, like watching your videos. Oh, thank In you. addition to like your your trademarked aesthetic, like I do think that you provide like these great models of just I mean, just that the poem again. I return to that poem mm. about loss that at the time, like right now, like mm. where we are experiencing collective trauma uh, as a country, and this mm. is I mean, my nephew is. My nephew and niece, uh, the ones who are old enough, I have a two year old who's having a great time, but the five year old and the eight year old are like, yeah, really struggling. And yeah. and when there's loss, it's, you know, it's how do you have that conversation? Yeah. And I think art, art and narrative, yeah, give us that space. So I really love that I discovered you as well because I look to, I'm going to look to learn from you. I'm not going to copy it, but I'll learn from you <laughs> because yeah. it really is great stuff.
0: Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. Some walk, some fly,
2: some waddle side to side, others swim and slither, still others run in hide.
0: the well, let's let's then. Let's just move into the new album because, I mean, as I said, the thing about We Are One is musically, just purely musically like um, I discovered your – Clearly, there's a little hidden passion for um, show tunes in there. It's a little. There's a few show tuny moments I that happen. I love cats.
1: I love cats. Like I haven't seen the movie yet, but I saw no. the musical when I was eight, and I sing Jellicle Cats for karaoke much to my wife's. Sugar. Oh, really? Okay. Well, it's... I don't. I can't actually get through the words. It's too fast. But at the end, I'm just mumbling. <laughs>
0: But we are one, there's obviously like a real maturity in music and they're coming together. Do you feel like particularly in a stage of lockdown, are you feeling like you're still getting that with this latest album? I mean, are you still pushing yourself a bit? Are you finding like musically, so, what can we expect?
1: Well, so this is before I go, we recorded, a, we made an animated video using uh, uh, cardboard animation for It Always Could Be Worse. Which we were set to
0: release the first week of April. I was gonna say, because I haven't seen that. Well, it feels a little
1: bit flippant to record it to release a video, it always could be worse in the middle of a pandemic. And then I was like, Oh, I'll put it out in June and then America started having a reckoning with our history. And so I was just like, Can it get any worse? So I feel like we're, we're sitting, we invested a lot of money and time into yeah. this beautiful, beautiful video. So I'm hoping to release that before the new album and actually release a couple more videos yep. for, from We Are One just because I think that the vid- visual medium is really important. Yeah. So the new album is going slow. We started tracking in January.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the drum. We re- We did all the demos in December. I recorded the drums when I was in Chicago in January. And I've been slowly building up parts Mm. so it it will be musically it'll be continuation we borrow pardon pardon me i i I am writing a little bit more in the folk idiom yeah love um i i love frank zappa and mr bungle and the ween and they might be giants and fish and like weird bands um and i've really this last year have been kind of going back to folk music and donovan and Joni Mitchell and and thinking more, like, about the narrative form and, and how do you do that. So this new album kind of blends that, like, kind of, like, Experimental kids music, well, think, and yeah, and some of this other stuff.
0: I guess that, that that's that's kind of a sign of the maturity and also the sign of the times. Like, I guess, I guess the thing is with We Are One because you'd found yourself a bit more as artists and and in that genre that now you're you're more engaged in that confidence. You know, you're more willing yeah. to pull back and go. Actually, this one is just me and a guitar. You know, I don't have to be. Big and loud and crazy, I can actually just be really gentle and, and just simple here. I guess also, you know, I get the feeling that the two of you um, exist in fun when you're writing this stuff. There's a lot of fun. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's correct, Ben.
2: Scream time, scream time. Shining so bright. Shut the door!
0: You're letting all the bugs inside. Sure thing, buddy.
1: We wrote all uh like we are one in Run Free. We were playing those songs out before we recorded them. Yeah, right. And this new album is all new material that we haven't played out.
0: Well, so you haven't so sat in the same room though. I mean, there's also been we a pandemic, have sat. We wrote so.
1: these songs before I moved. Right. We wrote most of them before we moved, and then in December Seth came to Colorado and we spent a long weekend tracking and really just like getting ideas and and so like oh my favorite talk about fun my favorite song is inspired by intellectual property law and (laughs) 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 so taylor swift tried to trademark the term this sick beat and so i wrote a song about a beat the vegetable that wasn't growing and it's called this sick beat and the drum the drum part goes it's like very similar to Shake It Off drum beat and music, it's not the same song and Taylor Swift's great Shake It Off's a great song I, yeah. l- I really do love that yeah, song sure. um, but I you know again like so much and you talked a little bit about this like idea of like screaming for attention which is mm. part of my personality but I've, I'm working to like unlearn that um, you know marketing advertising even the whole like idea of awards feels kind of antithetical mm. to like the values that we try to like espouse yeah. in our music bragging about our awards which is like half yeah, of our yeah, job yeah, as kids yeah, musicians yeah, yeah. isn't what i want to be doing yeah yeah so writing a song uh called "The sick beat kind of pokes fun at the fact that like you know there's the business side of of it is so detached from yeah. what what we do now it doesn't Come through in the lyrics at all, the songs about me being impatient, and I think the beat is sick, and really, I just planted it like a week ago, but um it's but it but we play off that kind of trope of like the we copy a very similar style of pop music that is 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 popular, so so yeah, so we do like to have fun, but we're also like. You know, just thinking about how to be better people, like, mm. as individuals. And I think that that, I mean, we, we see ourselves as constantly learning. We express that in our shows. We try to, we talk about young people being experts of their own lives and yeah. want we'll to learn from them. Yeah. So so hopefully, like, the songs kind of create an avenue for that learning where we mm. can learn together. And it gives a space for, par- I mean, we see our songs as, like, the beginning of a conversation for parents and kids, right? Yeah. Well, and so how do we, and that comes from being an educator and yeah. ha- having worked in really, you know, I do early childhood classes here in Denver before pandemic, I was teaching 10 classes a week to, mm. and they were split up developmentally. So I had zero to four month olds, yep. and four to yep. eight month olds and toddlers, whatever. So, yeah, so I think that it'll be interesting to hear when this album actually comes, when and it comes out, <laughs> what it will sound like, because, um. Because I might write eight more songs between now and then, yeah. and so I just slip in there I think
0: there was something you said briefly which was such a which you know categorizes teachers strongly is that idea that you sort of hinted at children are capable of their own learning, you know, and you know and and it is about providing opportunity for the children. I don't know you want to spark wonder and you want to spark questions and you want to spark conversation like you're saying right at the top you know you don't want to talk down you don't want to tell you just want to put the seed in there and go what do you what what do you think of this you know how do how can I be with you on your journey to finding out more about this and you know let's go on it together
2: Hi My name is Mort I am a tortoise and an odd one at that One with two heads The other head said You can call me Pat You can call him Pat
0: I didn't know a great deal about Animal Farm and it's been a real pleasure to find out. But I think also one thing about yourself um, and Seth and the music that you're doing is I'm quite excited about what's to come and I'm, I feel I feel again going back to the we are, one, we are One, I kind of I feel I've stumbled on you just as you found yourself and it's not that I don't like what came before. We are one just for me sets up what's to come. And I'm really grateful that I've been able to have this moment to really find out more about you because it does, it will just, you know, it makes it makes the future quite exciting for myself and to be able to share your music and and all those kind of things. And I think also it's a start of a really wonderful thing for you as well. You know, you're already in it, but you're now finding yourself in it, you know, and that's just going to bring out the more, you know, so much. Uh, uh, it'll just become a richer thing for you. But my last question is, I love the phrase educational comedy. So if you had to just explain that to someone, because they are too, <laughs> they're, they're not normally put together. You know they are heavily, heavy. Oh, they are a heavy contradiction in terms. Um, are, are they? <laughs> I mean, Bill Hicks or like
1: uh, George Carlin or Richard Pryor or like oh, yeah, true. or or contemporary. Uh, who's the Australian? Um, oh, Nanette. Who did Nanette? Uh, Hannah Gatsby. Hannah Gatsby. Yeah. Like I, I don't know. Like thinking about. Um, I don't feel like I'm qualified to call my stuff the like the musical. Theater because <laughs> i'm not an act like i'm not a great actor but i think that building in humor to kind of address these like more deeper topics around mm-hmm. um social emotional learning and that's like a big focus for me as a teacher and i, I do trainings with early childhood educators around social emotional learning and arts integration music integration um for me ed- educational comedy is how do you Again, use narrative form and humor to kind of give space to talk about the things we're uncomfortable with. Mm. Um, I think maybe growing up in the tradition of like Jewish comics, like we use humor to like talk about the things we're uncomfortable with. Um, But yeah, so the example that I used earlier about Cranky Pants song, or where Thor comes out and is wearing funny pants, but like it gives us a space to talk about the things that make us upset, which I think. I I get embarrassed when I'm upset. Yeah, Half the time yeah. I'm upset. The moment I get upset, I'm not upset about what I was upset about. I'm upset that I was upset.
0: That's yeah,
1: no yeah, yeah. Right. And similarly with fear. Like the re- I'm upset that I'm afraid. Mm. So creating moments of levity um, to bookend uncomfortable conversations. Even even Snowbird as a song. The song we do. We talk about like driving a rental car. Right. And we have the kids drive, drive a rental car, like pretend to drive a rental yeah, car yeah. as a penguin, which is an absurd concept. But that song kind of has a has a little bit more depth to it. So I guess for me, educational comedy is just creating um, space for. For. Uh, discomfort by by kind of wrapping it in in humor,
0: in fun, yeah. I guess it's like learning through play in a way, isn't it? It's a big part.
1: I love play, and I, I feel it's so sad as a grown up. Like we don't get. That's why I love Animal Farm. I get to be silly and expressive, and like a complete goofball. Today, I mean, it's not just Animal Farm. I work for a company called Beanstalk, which is like an online learning platform. And we're doing kingdoms and castles. And I dressed up as like a medieval troubadour <laughs> with like a, a tunic and um, like this, like, filigree uh, uh, sash and played mandolin and was like, nah, hey, nani, nee, na nee, nani, nee, na And we wrote like an <laughs> epic tale together. It was amazing. And it, who would, uh, yeah. I don't know anybody at a tech company who gets to do that for work. So, like, I'll take it.
0: <laughs> well, um, uh, yeah, David, Animal Farm is a joy and I think the joy is just going to get stronger and I, and I thank you for, you know, just giving us a bit more of an insight of what you and Seth do and, um, yeah, on behalf of everyone over here, thanks very much for your time today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to make this connection and I hope it uh, continues past the uh, duration of this podcast. So yeah. yeah. Thank you, Benny.
0: Excellent. Thank you. If you'd like to know more about David and Seth, then head along to their website at www.animalfarmband.com. And, of course, for more Benny Time goodness, head along to www.bennytime.com. Thanks for listening to me, Benny, asking David questions.